American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Three, two, one. Engines go. Welcome to the Cold War. I think this is episode two hundred and thirteen. Uh, my little Danny DeVito uh, stand-in. How are you today, my little friend? Say hello to my uh, little friend. Which yeah, is doing not- okay. Uh- Let's just let's just get this going before the gummies kick in because nobody wants to see that. I mean, I'm currently not wearing a shirt. If once that kicks in, I won't be wearing pants. No one should be subjected to that unless they're being tortured by the Nazis. So not even, let's do that. Not even me. Not even um, me, especially <clears throat> especially you. Ray, it has been a few months since we've talked yes. about the Korean War. We 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 did this thing about right? the Korean War, and then we got distracted with Taiwan and right? Danny Orbuck interviews and yeah. Yeah. Michael Holtzman maybe. No, I think he was anyway. Um, that was before. Yeah. But but uh, uh, we're going to get back to the Korean War, and um, uh, I did manage to watch the first hour of the three-hour-long battle at Lake Chonglin uh, wow. blockbuster film uh, yesterday. Right? Uh, managed to get my hands on it, see what it's like. Uh, I'm liking it, uh, but yep. um, it's like visually very entertaining I'm sure. and brutal. Uh, I get what people, yeah. it's very much a rah-rah China film, though. I don't know. People say it's Chinese propaganda. Maybe. I haven't got all the way through it, so I can't comment, but sure. very sort of. It reminds me kind of like an 80s American war film. It's like. China, yeah. the greatest, yeah. you know. And but the funny thing I wanted to point out is uh, the Americans in it uh, right. playing the American military uh, uh, superiors and the soldiers uh, have no acting experience. The guy playing uh, <laughs> Douglas MacArthur was right? so bad. <laughs> this is a two hundred million dollar film. The American actor playing Douglas Wilson gives the big speech at, in, uh, after the Inchon landing or whatever. Right. Um, he was so bad. I looked him up. This he's, he's got no experience in acting. His IMDb yeah. just talks about he's a business executive who's lived That's... in China for twenty years. Somehow yeah. they decided it. it was a good job, yeah. good idea yeah. to cast yeah. him as. Douglas MacArthur, none of the American, and like there's Armand, there's O.P. Smith, all with right. relatively major roles, and that their acting is terrible. The Chinese actors are great, but the the of course American actors, I don't know why they couldn't get decent yeah. American actors to play the American roles. Well, the but, only uh, thing we're yeah, good at is, is pretending or acting. You think they would have gotten some discernible talent, but hey, what do I know? They could have got us. Do is stand there. It could have got us. Yeah, yeah, us. Yeah, 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 We yeah. would have done a better yeah. job. People look at me and go, Ray, you look like you're a Marine. I, I know. <laughs> I know. But I'm not in warm attire. Uh, so, but I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I, I would have been perfect with the role, especially all the people that die. I would have been excellent at that. Well, you know, Douglas MacArthur looks like my grandfather, so I should have gotten in, and I could have done this yeah. voice. Yeah. The pipe, the glasses, Get the hat. Around, boom, boys. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Sigmund Rhee's the greatest thing since Christ. I, I don't know. I don't remember the speech. 
He said, I'm the greatest thing since Christ. Oh, Sigmarie's not bad two. either. Better than He's Christ, even. Matter of fact, if when you, you want to look at it. Did, two, he smoke, did Christ smoke a fucking pipe? Did he look you know, this badass weed. with a pipe? Smoke, yeah, smoke smoke weed. weed. Yeah, but yeah. then he said, when you, when, you, when you think number two, think Sigmund Ray. All right? All right. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so we left well, off of the last time. We are talking about the Battle of Lake Changjin or the Battle of the uh, Chosen Reservoir, depending on mm-hmm. which name you want to give it, up close right. to the border of China, technically Manchuria. Right. Um, and as soon as the Chinese troops intervened in force, MacArthur ordered that a wasteland be created between the warfront and the Yalu River, destroying from the air every installation, factory, city, and village over thousands of square miles of North Korean territory. Yeah, I, I don't like to pick nitpick because that's kind of not my thing. Um, but if I'm fighting to reunite the two Koreas and the South Koreans are going to take over everything, they might, and hear me out, they might want to see a couple of factories or buildings still standing in North Korea because then they're just going to have to rebuild them again. But, hey, I'm not a military genius. What do I know? just makes it easier to, to you know, get up. If you don't have to, like, go and take over things, it just makes it easier. Right. If you've Blow destroyed everything, yeah, the easiest right. way to take over a country is to destroy it. Boom. Everyone knows that. Putin knows that. That's what he's doing <laughs> he at the moment. That. Mm. Certainly does. Yes, uh, but it was this this kind of um, destroying, indiscriminate destroying of villages and cities. Uh, right. Technically, a war crime. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it would have been. Would have been. Oh, but I'll, oh. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, right. British air attaché at MacArthur's headquarters uh, the, was talking about it. He said, except for the city of Nanjing near the Soviet border and the Yalu River dams. MacArthur's right. orders were to dis- quote to destroy every means of communication and every installation and factories and cities and villages. The dis- this destruction is to start at the Manchurian border and to progress south. Right, was what that's he said. A, that's an awful like a lot like a Japanese order in China during World War II when the general said, "I can't remember exactly, kill all, destroy all." take all or something. So basically it's a repeat of that. Just wipe it all out. Just wipe it all out. Scorched earth policy. Right. George Barrett of the New York Times uh, was there uh, afterwards Mm -hmm. and he found in the village north of Anyang, he said he found, quote, a macabre tribute to the totality of modern war. The inhabitants throughout the village and in the fields were caught and killed and kept the exact postures they held when the napalm struck. A man about to get on his bicycle, 50 boys and girls playing in an orphanage, a housewife strangely unmarked holding in her hand, a page torn from a Sears Roebuck catalogue, crayoned (laughs) at mail order number 3,811,294 3,811,294 for a $2.98 bewitching bed jacket coral. Which will never get ordered now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jesus. Um, yeah. sort of sounds like a breach of the Fourth Geneva Convention to me where you're not supposed to deliberately attack villages. There's no, mm-hmm. um, no justification for mass punishment of uh, a nation because you don't like what their government is doing. Right. That was the fourth Geneva Convention was signed in 1945 by all the signat- uh, 49 by all the signatory parties mm-hmm. came into force 
in October 1950. This right. bombing Just is going time. on in November 1950. Well, see, there but, you go. It's too new. It's too new. But conveniently, the USA didn't ratify the Geneva Conventions until yes. 1957. Do we so, know what we're doing or what? Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant. This reporting that George Barrett was doing in the New York Times uh, was not appreciated by the um, top dogs back yeah. home. Dean Acheson, yeah. Secretary of State at the time, wanted censorship authorities to be notified about what he called sensationalised reporting so it could be stopped. Or the truth. Either one, we got to stop it, uh, you know. Yeah. Now, look, it's not unusual for countries in wartime to try and um, limit the amount of reporting that comes out of these countries if it's going to make them look bad. That's pretty standard. But I think the point for Americans here is to realise that America does this too. Uh, Yes. We've seen it in more recent times, obviously, during – the Iraq War and the Afghanistan Wars in the last twenty years, you know, the, the the media were not allowed to show bodies coming back home in body bags and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, right. it, there were limitations on what the media could cover, what they could report on, and this goes all the way back. So, you know, they were trying to hide, I guess. Yeah the yeah. brutality of this American operation in North Korea to protect the American audiences from knowing too much about what the American army was really doing over there. Right. Well, one, um, as we're going to see in the next two episodes, we're not finished dropping napalm. Thank you very much. And two, and this is just me spitballing, if we hadn't rushed up close or tried to get close to the Chinese border, uh, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But that's an alternative reality. Yeah. On November 30th, Truman gave a news conference where he suggested they might use the bomb. If China didn't back off. Right. Um, And this even got Stalin worried. Yeah. According to a high official in the KGB at the time, Stalin expected a global war Mm -hmm. as uh, if America was defeated in North Korea. And he kind of favoured letting them win. So what, he said, let the United States of America be our neighbours in the Far East. We're not ready to fight. Right. That was it. Stalin's position. Now, as we'll see, the great ironic thing here is we've seen this before and this continues. The U.S. is still convinced that the North Koreans moving into South Korea, the Chinese moving into North Korea is all part of Stalin's plan. It's right. his machinations. He's yes. the guy driving all of Master. this. Master. When yeah. apparently he was like, well, just let him have it, man. Yeah. Let him have it. We're not ready to, We're not ready for another war. And we're, not now. Against the United not States. Exactly. No. Not now. Yeah. So it's late in November 1950. This is kind of where we left off mm-hmm. last time. The 9th Army Group moved into positions on either side of the reservoir with five divisions, and it moved three more divisions to cut the road south of Hagaruri and Kotori. <laughs> Yeah. This is the uh, Chinese 9th Army Group under Peng. Does Peng have command? Of, who has command of that? I can't remember now. I think it, I think it's – well, Peng has overall command. Right. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. 
I only remember that because I watched the movie yesterday. Boom. Um, the guy, the guy who plays Mao in the movie is really good, by the way, and the and the lead guy is really good too. Right. But the, it's great to see this guy playing Mao. He just he looks like you want to just go up and give him a big hug. <laughs> uh, and he says in the film, yeah. you know, uh, he, he gathers his war cabinet together it was before the invasion, and he says, look, we, you know, we've basically just gotten out of the civil war. Uh, there's a thousand yeah. things to be done exactly. to build our country. The last thing that we need right now is a war. But he said we need to we need to let them know that we you yeah. know this can't happen on our border. It's he said what's better to throw a punch now or have to throw a hundred punches later? Oh, I like so, that. I like that. That might be an old kung fu saying. But, <laughs> Yeah, he's depicted in the film, anyways. Look, we don't—we're not ready for this. We don't want to do this, but yeah. they don't take us seriously. They think they can do whatever they want. We have to show them that uh, you know yeah. we're not going to allow this happening to one of our allies, one of our friends, and on right. our border. Well, MacArthur has made it clear: if I have to go into China, he's ready to go into China. He doesn't care. He doesn't respect them. He doesn't respect their their border or their, uh, you know independent government, if you will. Um, he's, he's ready. And the Chinese probably know this, and they're going to do whatever it takes to defend their borders, as any nation would. And we know the U.S. didn't um, acknowledge the communist government of China. They were still acknowledging yes. Chiang Kai-shek and the KMT. Right. And although, as we'll see in the next couple of episodes, the British were pushing the U.S. to actually recognize Beijing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, the other interesting thing is just the racism that continues to come out from all the the, the, the senior American military guys here. Yeah. Continually, they just they don't take the Chinese seriously as as uh, people. Right. Really, there's a there's a heavy element of racism in here. Yeah. On the 27th of November, General Armand had flown in by helicopter personally right. to rally the troops and let them know that uh, the American offensive was going to continue. Yes. We're still attacking and we're going all the way to the Yalu, he said. Don't let a bunch of Chinese laundry men stop you. How? Uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, how racist is that? Uh, I, I, I don't have my uh, pocket, my little ruler guide for that at the moment, but um, the woke, I don't have my woke ruler handy. But right, right. Like, like, you know, you have to take these things and then apply them to the media coverage of the Russian invasion of Ukraine today. Mm-hmm. The same sort of just uh, general denigration of yes. the Russian statements, the Russian objectives, the Russian army, you know, all these sorts of things. It's, yeah, you know, when you, when you read as much history as we do and you see that that's, that's the tactic mm-hmm. that is generally applied when a country's at war is the denigration, dehumanization, right. um, lampooning, demonization of the enemy. You see it going back to this story, and, and uh, you know, I get a lot of that from the yeah. current media reporting of uh, Russia right. at the moment as well, which is why it's very hard to take uh, the Western media coverage very seriously yeah. at the moment. If I can add on to that, I saw in the news today where America will be taking in 100,000 Ukrainians. Um, that's a big number for us. We normally don't like to take people in, but I'm guessing it has something to do with their <coughs> whiteness. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, the Middle East has problems in Syria, and people are running out. Uh, we're not going to take them in, but Ukrainians, they look more mm. like us. We'll take some in. Hey, let me give you one line 
from a 1980s commercial. And I think it sums up the Chinese laundrymen because th- this is not the last time you're going to hear this, that particular phrase in these two episodes if, if we cover it. But another person says it. But there was a commercial during the late 70s and 80s, and it ends with, we need more cow gone, ancient Chinese secret, huh? Do you remember that? Did you ever see that? It's a clothes detergent commercial. And this woman takes her clothes to the cleaners, and he's always getting them great. And he, she goes, how do you get them so clean? He goes, ancient Chinese secret. And, and of course, they're both Chinese. And then his wife walks in from the back and she's got a box of Calgon, which makes products like this. And so again, I, when I heard that Chinese laundry, man, that was the very first thing that came to my mind. You could not do a commercial like that today, but back in the early eighties, late seventies, par for the course. The product was called Cal Calgon. I think it's C-A-L-G-O-N. I can send you a link to a YouTube oh, video. Oh, right. No, thank you. They make, they make other things, um, as well, but it was funny. In a racist kind of right. Way. I thought you were. I thought you were saying C O W G O N E, as in the cow <laughs> dirtied your clothes, and we've got rid <laughs> we, of the cow. We make it gone. No, that would have been even oh, better. Cow gone now. See, Stan and Barry level. That's where you're at. That's amazing. How you clean cross? <laughs> How you clean cross? I'm uncomfortable. We got rid of. We got rid of cow. For the All record, secret. For the record, Cam did not get a lot of mm. sleep last night. His decision-making yeah. processes is probably not at its best right now. Bad hay fever last night. Oh, I even did a, I did a uh, rat test this morning just to see if I had COVID, but oh, uh, I gotcha. don't apparently. Good, good. Where were we? Good. Uh, 27th of November, yes. General Armand flew in, said something about Chinese laundrymen. <laughs> On the same day, the Chinese attacked the Marines right along their line. Yeah. They were being attacked at the front and then also for 30 miles down their supply chain. Yeah. The severe casualties, but the Marines didn't bug out. They held their ground, and on the morning of the 29th of November, the Royal Marines, together with a company of U.S. Marines mm-hmm. and some more infantry, 922 men and 141 vehicles in all, were ordered north towards the lake yes. under the command of Lieutenant Colonel Drysdale. This is Task Force Drysdale, as it's now known. I don't think it was known as that at the time, but it's now known as that. They met almost immediate resistance, got out of their vehicles and pushed forwards inch by inch. Well, not only that, but the British Marines that you were talking about, when they got got close, they were told, hey, can we get a meal? We need to unpack, unbox our stuff. And they said, no, grab it all now. We're getting on the road now. We're going. So the British realized this was an emergency and the Americans around the Chosun River need all the help they can get. So let's rush these guys there. But as you said, not only are the Chinese attacking those positions, but they've already swung around and there's going to be at least two divisions on the left, two divisions, Chinese divisions on the right. And they're going to hit this road that the Americans and the British and everyone else are going to have to retreat um, on. And it is going to be a bloodbath. But the Chinese are all over the place. But this relief force needs to get up there ASAP. And it's important to remember this is the end of November. Yes. It's freezing cold. Snow all Where they are. Minus 20 at night. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Minus 20 Celsius at night. That's cold in case. Which is minus four Fahrenheit, For for you people in Florida, that's like 60 degrees. I mean, it's that cold. I mean, things are freezing up. Uh, vehicles won't run. The oil in the Jeeps have frozen up. Medicine is freezing up. It is, it is, 
downright cold and they can't, they have to keep fighting because the Chinese attack at night. There's a great scene in the Chinese mm-hmm. film where it's Thanksgiving and the Americans are in their bases and they're just eating like they got it's just banquets, yes. feasts, yes. turkey, chicken legs, American baby? mashed potatoes. Yeah. It's just being piled on and on and on and they're having a great old time. Then it cuts to the Chinese that are huddled yes. in rocks yes. in the mountains with all they have is potatoes. Right. And the potatoes are frozen. Yeah. So there's this one young guy bites into a potato and then a tooth falls oh out, my. like from biting into this frozen potato. God. And one of them says to the other, "If if we if I can survive on one potato a day, right? Um, you know, I've got enough food to get me through the rest of the week or something like that." So damn, you know, yeah. and that's probably relatively realistic. I mean, these guys were living on nothing. Yeah, uh, you know, very very simple uh, supply chain arrangements for the Chinese versus the Americans that were living high on the hog. Exactly. Um, so, Task Force Drysdale. Um, Drysdale ordered his armoured company commander to distribute their 17 tanks yeah. down along the line. Makes sense. And the guy refused. Right. He insisted they should be used to punch through at the front. But now, I don't know what the consequences are for refusing an order. Right. Uh, from. <laughs> Drysdale, but apparently not much. Well, I thought the tank commander was an American. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, oh, could have been. Yeah. And he's like, I don't. You're, yeah. you're not my. You're, you're not, not the boss my of me. Real dad. <laughs> yeah, you're not the boss. Well, of Well, see, the problem is, as we just said, is that the Chinese are coming from the sides and the front. So if you put all the tanks in the front, yeah, that's great for making forward progress. But you're going to get hit on the sides constantly, and they are. And so, it, so Drysdale was right, the American was wrong, and they're going to suffer for it. As a result, the Chinese attacked the middle of the line at a place called Hellfire Valley mm. around about 10 o'clock at night, yeah. and the soft-skinned vehicles uh, were all unprotected. The rear of the line was cut off from the front of the line. Classic manoeuvre. right cutting off the rear of the line. The fighting continued throughout the night. One Scottish Marine, a guy called Andrew Condron, was in a truck that was destroyed by a mortar and he got out and managed to hide from the Chinese soldiers as they were walking among the vehicles and the bodies. He and some other Americans ended up joining some British soldiers. Mm-hmm. They shot one by accident. Right. Um, Whoops. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and then they were hiding in the darkness. At one point, Condron saw a South Korean soldier standing over him and told him to bugger off. <laughs> and then an American near him right. said, hey, buddy, you better drop that rifle fast. We've surrendered. The South Korean was actually a Chinese soldier and yeah. told him to bugger off. So some more prisoners. PFF. Bugger off. Yeah. Luckily for him, the Chinese probably didn't understand his Scottish accent, Chinese soldier. and It's, it. it's best. Yeah. Task Force Drysdale suffered a total of 321 casualties and 71 vehicles destroyed out of 922 men and 141 vehicles. So half their vehicles gone, a third of their men, more than a third of their men gone. But the survivors somehow Uh managed to take control of a little town in the mountains called Hagaru to the south of the lake. Mm -hmm. they held out there for a few weeks. Uh, it's freezing cold, yep. minus 20 Celsius at night. The men just become 
frozen yeah. solid, basically. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of um, the, the first-hand reports of Napoleon's retreat from Russia oh, in 1812. Good point. Where the men were just – like he, he lost more men to the cold yeah. on the retreat than he did to military action. This sounds very similar, like uh, – General Smith found it increasingly difficult to even move his jaw to speak. Yes. Loading a weapon, unbolting uh, a, a gun, just it was impossible. Yeah. Everything was just solid, frozen, ice over everything. Yeah. The Jeeps had to be kept running continually. Uh, headlights were run on cables into like the sick bay and uh, an operations tent so they could see what they were doing. Right. But st- to start an engine took hours yeah. thawing all of its parts, trying to get the frozen oil to liquefy <sighs> bit by bit. Yeah. Blood plasma froze. Medical orderlies had to carry morphine syringes in their mouths to stop the morphine from freezing up. Damn. Just be like, careful. Like it, it – Yeah. It's in, like it's bad enough that they're yeah. getting swarmed by Chinese attacking them in the middle of the night, but they're de- having to deal in these freezing temperatures. Yeah. It just sounds absolutely brutal. And if, if it makes you feel any better, General Allman, who's back along the coast, he's doing fine. He's eating lobster on Sundays. He's good. They keep flying food in. He, he's going to be good. Don't worry about General Allman. But um, he's enjoying the best that Japan has to offer, but his men are suffering, and I don't think he's too overly concerned about it but he keeps telling them go north go north we're not going to stop for anything because he wants glory as far as we can tell they're just chinese laundrymen that's all you know yeah don't worry about it with guns and grenades and mortars and there's 130,000 of them at least in front of at least x-force i think there was another massive army in front of the eighth army so they're just the the allies are completely overwhelmed the Chinese would rest during the day and attack only at night. Now, rumours swept the American armies that some men, apparently uh, they said it was the 1st Cavalry Division, had been surprised by the Chinese in their sleeping bags and right. bayoneted in them, right. unable to get out in time. Yeah. So as a result of these rumours, most of the men wouldn't even zip up their bags to right. sleep. It's pretty cold. Um, you want to zip those things up. Yeah. But now they're not yeah. going to. Or they've been ordered not yeah. to. Yeah. Jesus. Because they can't, wouldn't be able to get out fast enough if they get attacked. Right. Uh, they came up with the idea of warming tents, uh, which I like. Every few hours the men would go to special tents, mm-hmm. set up a few hundred yards behind the front where they could just kind of snuggle right. uh, Human to heat. keep warm. Body heat. Yeah. Kind of yeah. reminds me of Vegas. Just <laughs> snuggling to keep warm. Right. It was for, the it was Chinese, for us. Yes. on the other hand, coped with the cold by using a combination of tiger blood, and uh, <laughs> they got, which they bought from Charlie Sheen, right. and kung fu magic is really yeah. what it was. They just did did some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wax on, Mr. wax Miyagi. off the cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's and, all they needed. And they had winter capes, but those they stole from the North or South Koreans. Uh, you uh, and a winter cape looks pretty badass, but when it's twenty degrees below, cape's not going to matter all that much. One day, the uh, Americans saw a bunch of crippled stragglers heading towards them during daylight. Some they were limping, some were crawling. Right. These were the survivors of the Seventh Division's Task Force Faith. Oh, good name. 
as it's now known, yeah, commanded by Colonel Don Faith. Right, got to have Himself faith. the son of Brigadier General Don Carlos Faith. Okay. From World War I uh, fame, yeah. apparently. I'm expecting something. Some of these guys were without weapons. Most had lost their equipment. They were suffering from frostbite. Yes. Dragging, a Marine officer said some of these men were dragging themselves on the ice. Some had gone crazy and were walking in circles. It was pitiful. Jesus, yeah. There had there had been 2,500 of them. They were now down to 1,000. And when the Marines went out and got them, out of that 1,000, and like you were saying, most of them were suffering from frostbite, only 385 of them were still actually in good enough shape to join the perimeter. And don't get me wrong, they, they needed every bit of help they could get. But now they've got hundreds more of um, uh, wounded to deal with. So it's like just a disaster yes. for the for, American troops. Forget like the Chinese. Just survive against the elements. This is the Eastern Front all over yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. This is why you go into winter quarters right. in the good old days. Yes. <laughs> you don't, you don't never fight start in a, this side of cold. It's crazy. I never start a fight with anybody after Thanksgiving. It's just a policy yeah. that I have. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. 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 You, you've had a few fights with me, but that's, well, you know. Yeah. They're, they're fun fights. We get all about it's more wrestling. Than <laughs> so, fighting, so. Some people call it foreplay, but we don't have to go into that now. <laughs> uh, Marine and Navy aircraft keep kept, uh, you know, uh, trying to strike against the Chinese, yeah. but they just kept coming wave after wave. And in, in the film, again, there's some great scenes of uh, the Chinese getting strafed and bombed by American uh, planes. And right. It's it's brutal. The film is really brutal. Um, yeah. Just bodies getting blown up and shredded, and the yeah the action scenes are full on. But um, yeah, I, the Chinese, I guess they probably lost a lot with these uh, aircraft yes. sorties, but they they had more. They just kept coming, kept wave coming. after wave after yeah. wave. The Americans were running low on ammo and supplies and had some airdrop to them, but the Chinese got to most of it first. Fuck. That's got to be de- depressing. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, and, and just remember, because this is late Dece- uh, late November, it's about to be early December, obviously the sun sets very early, and so as soon as the sun drops, it gets even colder. But when the sun drops, that's when the Chinese come out of their hiding, and that's when they attack. So they've got extra hours to take on the Americans and the British and the South Koreans. You know, roughly 4, 4.30, they're ready to go. Yeah, it's the coldest part of the day, but the Chinese are still attacking. And there's this yes. great scene in the film, and I don't know if this is based on any truth, but right. there's an uh, American reconnaissance plane flying over these just, just snowy wastelands looking for the Chinese and, and can't find them. Mm-hmm. And they get down really close, and the guy's using binoculars, and he's searching, he's taking photographs, he can't see anything, he flies away. The camera comes down, and it's sparse, there's sparse trees there, be you know, not many, but... You get right down, and the Chinese are lying in the snow, and they've buried themselves in the snow up to their Fuck. heads. Fuck! And so it just they, their heads just look like rocks, right. Scattered across this landscape. Brilliant. They're buried in the snow. I'm like, how yeah. the fuck do you survive that? Yeah, how do you I, not die if you yeah. bury yourself in snow? I don't know. Jeez. Anyway, Jeez. what do I know of snow? Yeah. <laughs> now uh, there was this big <laughs> fight going on between General Armand. Uh huh. And General O.P. Smith, Oliver Prince Smith, nice who was commanding the 1st Marine Division. Mm-hmm. Um, so Armand had control of the 
is it the X Corps? I think overall command of yes. X Corps. Yes. Op Smith was commanding the Marines. Yes. And they basically hated each other. Like all of the books right. just say, these two guys just hated each other. And they were very different men, very different temperaments, very different goals. Um, we've already talked about Almond. As far as we can tell, and I don't think we're wrong, I think he was seeking glory. I think he hung out with uh, MacArthur too much, and he wanted a great victory on the battlefield, uh, whereas O.P. Smith was a Marine. He was a Marine commander. His job is to keep his men intact and, and, and carry out whatever objective they have. But at the same time, he's not looking to do anything glorious or whatever he wants to you know he wants to uh, fight and have his men survive and th- these two goals do not line up and so it's going to lead to a lot of clashing i'm not saying one's right and one's wrong they were just very different men and that's a horrible recipe recipe for a command structure so um you know the 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 tension between these two has you know practical implications um mm-hmm. armand was criticizing Smith for not leaving a force at Hagaru strong enough to send a relief force to the 7th Division. Right. Um, so Armin insisted that they try and cut a path up the east side of the reservoir to link up with the units that were retreating mm. from the Yalu River. How'd that go? Uh, they, they, well, not well. Uh, they hit heavy opposition. That got abandoned. Right. Colonel Faith ended up, speaking to Hagaru through his radio com link for the last time through a Marine air liaison officer. He said, unless someone can help us, I don't have much hope that anybody's going to get out of this. Oh, my God. They said, they told him, we're bringing in an awful lot of air support, but that's all we can give you. We just don't have enough people here to risk losing our hold on the foot of the reservoir. Right. I understand, said Faith, and that was the last thing anyone ever heard from him. Yeah. He's gone. And, and you probably read the part after that where they say, after this and other instances like this, the phrase task force came to represent a desperate attempt to throw a bunch of men and equipment together who probably aren't ready, probably aren't trained, and throw them and commit them into a disaster. So that's going to happen time and time again here. Um, just just being desperate and, and just trying to make something work out of this. But everything is wrong. They don't have enough men. They don't have enough supplies. They don't have enough trucks. They don't have enough of anything. And yet Allman is still pushing them to advance. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So task force faith, including Colonel Faith, get wiped out by the God. Chinese. Yeah. Then General Armand and General O.P. Smith had an argument about retreating. Right. Smith was determined that he was going to retreat in an orderly fashion right. with all of his vehicles yeah. and guns. Yep. Armin said, just drop all the shit yeah. and run. We're rich, bitch. Like, we can replace yeah. all that. Yeah. Don't drop can, the lobster. We'll replace like, all of your stuff. Everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Leave all your shit behind. We'll replace it all later. Smith told him, I'm not going to do that. Right. Armin thought he was nuts. He even told a colonel who was with him after the phone call, this guy's a maniac. He's nuts. Yeah. Now, Smith, of course, is famous for telling the media, retreat hell. We're not retreating. We're just advancing in a different direction. But the American people wanted, they needed some good, good news. They needed a hero instead of going, what the fuck does that mean? They went, okay, no, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> I don't. That's like a girl breaking up with me going, Ray, we're not going to sleep together anymore. I'm not breaking up with you, but I'm going to be naked with a lot of other men, just not you ever again. But we're not breaking up. I mean, whew, thank, for a second there, I thought you were breaking up with me. No, we're good. 
I mean, what the fuck? But anyway, I, I digress. Chesty Puller, the most decorated Marine in American Damn history, right. also said he was commanding the rear guard. He said, I had to hold school. I told my officers we weren't retreating, we were about facing. Ah. I told them that there were more Chinese behind <laughs> us and on the flanks than in front of us <laughs> and that we were fighting in another direction. Isn't that a good reason to retreat if there's more enemy behind you than in front of you? And I'm no military expert, but get me the fuck out of there. Not retreating. No. No, no. Not retreating. No. We're, we're attacking from uh, we're attacking in a different direction. I'm attacking in the direction of my home base. I'm not leaving. I'm yeah. just doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, technically, there were Chinese trying to block their lines, so they were just attacking okay. that force yeah. instead of the main force. From a certain yeah, point yeah. of view. It was also yeah. it was also Chesty Puller who said it. Lake Chengjin. We've been looking for the enemy for some time now. We finally found him. <laughs> we're surrounded. That simplifies things. He also said, and again, he said, I don't give a good goddamn how many Chinese laundrymen there are between us and Hangnam. That's the port city uh, that they're trying to get to. There aren't enough. There aren't enough in the world to stop a Marine regiment going where it wants to go. Christ in his mercy will see us through. I didn't know Christ was a Marine, but I think Christ got you into this situation in the first place. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a priest, but he could have helped out sooner is all I'm saying. Well, in the next episode, we'll see how much Christ in his mercy helped them <laughs> right. on their right. retreat. Uh, that's it for this episode. We'll be back next time on The Muppet Show. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. <laughs>